0: Well, thanks, Emily. Well, two weeks from uh, today, uh, we are going to begin our uh, spiritual kind of growth campaign that uh, is uh, going to be exciting. And it's called Life's Healing Choices. And I really want you to learn a little bit more about that campaign. And so the way that we've done that is by inviting a couple of guys who are on the campaign team. And the first one here to my right is uh, Chuck Mock, uh, who's the uh, director of the campaign and uh, looks pretty studly today, doesn't he? He's been working out, so.
1: Well, thank you, Ch- Chris. I uh, appreciate your honesty.
0: <laughs> anyway, I can help there. And then there is uh, John Gobel, who's going to be our uh, Small Groups uh, Director and Coordinator. And he's been working out, too. And uh, maybe not as honest. I don't know. No, he has been, so good. Well, Chuck, why don't you just tell us a little bit what the heck this whole Small Groups uh, campaign is about and life's healing choices.
1: Well, it's a church-wide campaign. It's an eight-week teaching Of Eight choices that are going to transform the lives of this church It's going to free people from a lot of hurts that get stuck in our lives and hang-ups and habits Everyone will be reading the same book, Life's Healing Choice All the small groups will be doing the exact same curriculum And it's going to follow a weekly teaching This will be a defining moment of this church And it's really going to impact a lot of lives well,
0: good. And um, who can uh, who can be a part of uh, Life's Healing Choices? So?
1: Everybody. The books are going to be free, but everyone in the church is being asked to really step up and commit to being in a small group for just eight weeks. And I know that there's a lot of people that cringe at the thought of being in a small group, but we're just asking for a commitment for just eight weeks to be in it. And it's really... That's just a way of really giving this campaign a, a real chance and to really let God do what he's wanting to do with this.
0: So, uh, John, you're kind of overseeing the whole small group piece of it. And um, um, what does a small group look like? Are they scary? Uh,
2: no. <laughs> it's uh, usually at someone's home, and uh, usually like 6.30, 7. We'll have groups all, all Monday through Friday. And, uh, usually you show up and usually there's some snacks, which is my favorite part, but, uh, (laughs) then we, um, go around the the room and just share your name. Maybe there's a funny question you, you can answer and that's the only time you have to talk and probably start out with a prayer and then we'll do a DVD, uh, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. And then ask questions and talk about, uh, healing choices.
0: So it's pretty low keyed.
2: And uh, how can a person get a part, uh, become a part of a small group? Then? Well, you got a little card that says, Turn this information in. You fill it out and go back there and uh, get you a book, and we'll exchange the card for a book. Okay. And uh, that's how you get started.
0: So they could start doing this right now then. You could, you know, pull this out if you would. That means pull it out if you would. Some are like, no, I'm not going to, okay? You can make a paper airplane if you want, but pull it out, you know, it'll make me feel good at least, and uh, they can do that. Now, we need people to host these small
2: groups as well, right? And what what does a host look like? A uh, host is someone that breathes. Uh, <laughs> they have a home and uh, are willing to clean it up every once in a while. It, it kind of helps us when we have a group and... You know, once a week, or once every two weeks, we actually clean our house, and that always helps out. Uh, so, women,
0: if you want your house clean, just sign up today, and uh, then you can get your husband to
2: clean your house, okay? That's another one. Yeah, now, or, do you have or to, Chris. Do
0: you have to be super spiritual to
2: do one of these No, things? absolutely not. Just uh, come to the jar, and uh, uh, we even have people willing uh, that don't live in Muncie area that are willing to uh, lead the discussion so if you're like hey I can open my home uh, I can do that part um, but I don't know about asking questions and stuff like that Uh, just make sure you have a TV and a DVD and uh, we'll connect you with someone that is willing to do the discussion part okay So, so
0: I have a DVD player. I really don't know how it works, but I have one. But my wife is pretty good at doing that.
2: So could
0: we uh, could we get started then, or how do we get started?
2: Uh, you got a little card there, buddy. Oh, okay, this card. Oh, you got to Card. Make you card, card. And walk back, and then we'll get you a car- uh, book and we'll get you started. Okay, but the. One thing about the small group, it's only an hour, hour and a half. That's, that's all the time commitment once a week for eight weeks. So, Okay. Well, hey, let's thank uh,
0: Bo-Chan and uh, Chuck for uh, helping us out. <clears throat> well, I would encourage you to uh, fill this out uh, before you leave today, and uh, that would be great. I'm giving you permission to even fill it out um, while I'm talking. You won't bug me, I promise. Well, let me begin by saying this. You guys are weird. And let me tell you why. You sing songs in the air, and we don't even know if they ever leave from this place. You got up earlier this morning than you really needed to, and you came to this place to a gym that smells instead of sleeping in. And you give your money away rather than keeping it yourself. What a weird group you are. So weird that this week somebody wrote to you guys, and I thought I'd read it to you. It's from Christina Paul, who is the social services coordinator of the Salvation Army, and this is what she wrote. Dear my friends at the jar, I want to take a moment to express my deep gratitude to you and all of your people for providing hundreds of families with vegetables this past Christmas. Without your support this year, we would not be able to help the less fortunate of Delaware County. Blessings were bestowed not only upon the needy, but upon everyone who contributed. You gave over 500 cans of vegetables. Thank you again for all of your help. Let's, uh, I'm going to thank you guys for that. You know, the Bible says this, that we are to be holy. And that word holy actually means to be different or unique. I have a feeling that if uh, I could convince you that it could even be translated that you are to be weird. So the Bible would say this then, that be weird just as God is weird. Be different just as God is different. Be unique just as God is unique. And it's our holiness, it's our differentness that people who are in this normal world are longing to be a part of. And that's why I'm so excited to be the pastor of one of the weirdest churches in Muncie and Delaware County. And the reason this is because we are trying our best to be different just as God is different. Now, part of this whole concept of being different is what we're trying to fulfill this whole year. And it's called Depend in 2010. So, you got your small group card. Pull this card out for a second. Because we want to encourage everyone to depend upon God more this year than they did in 09. And at the top of it, You can just see it says, depend in 2010. Deep in my heart I say the Lord is all I need. I can depend on Him. We want you to depend upon God more than you depend on yourself. More than you depend on your spouse. More than you depend on your family. More than you depend on your friends. More than you depend on your money. More than you depend on your employment. We want you to depend upon God. And this card kind of talks about four ways that we want everyone to do that. One is by reading. Set time aside each day to read and reflect on the Bible. And that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And if you weren't here and you want to pick up the DVD or the CD, you can. The second one is we want everyone to relate with God. Spend time alone with God each day in prayer. And we talked about that last week. And today we're going to talk about sharing in community, of getting connected into a small group. And next week we're going to talk about reaching out, how we can pray for a couple people and reach out to others. Now, over the past two weeks, like I said, we've talked about those first two things. How we can read the Bible and grow closer to God, and how we can depend upon God more through prayer. And today I want to focus in on relating with others. How do we build community? Let me start off with this huge, big idea. And it goes like this, and you can fill it out in your teaching uh, guideline if you want. Human beings were made by God, who is a community of beings. Human beings were made by God, who is a community of beings. Now, I realize that this is kind of a hard concept to get into our brains. In fact, uh, my brain's probably not big enough to uh, really get this, but I'm going to give it my best shot. And this is what, how it goes. Biblical Christianity is the only world religion that believes in what we call a triune God. Now that word triune means three. Three. And it doesn't mean three gods, but it means three different persons who function in God. Now, every other world religion has a single person deity. But only biblical Christianity has what we call a trine or the trinity. And so we believe uh, in Christianity that there is God the Father, God the Son... And God, the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not three different gods. It's three in one. Or we might circle it around here. And we call this whole thing the Godhead. The Godhead. Now... The simplest way, because I'm a simple person, to try to describe the Trinity or what biblical Christianity talks about God is by looking at ice. How many of you have ice cubes or ice cube trays in your freezer? Anybody? All the rest of you have those making kind, don't you? Huh? You're kind of worldly that way. We love you anyway, okay? But... Jennifer and I used to have a freezer that uh, had those ice cubes. And ice is ice, right? But have you ever had that experience where you take the ice cube trays out and it, it comes into a heated area and it's really cold and what comes off? Steam or a vapor. So you have ice and then you have steam. Now if you take those ice cubes out, and you lay them on the table and you leave them there for three or four hours, what does that ice become? Now, let me ask you this question. Is it ice? Is it a vapor? Or is it water? It's all three of them, right? It's all three. It's not just one. It's all three. And in the same way, Scriptures say that there is God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit who all are constantly relating with each other. They're connecting with each other. That all of these together is God. It's the Godhead. There is community and relationship connecting back and forth between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, when it came time for creation, the Father kind of went to the forefront and created everything, but the Son and the Holy Spirit were there as well. When it came to redemption, which is just a big word that means to buy out, what happened was when Jesus went and He died on the cross, He bought out all of your sins. He paid the price for everything in your life. And He went to a cross and He died on the cross just for you. Now, when that happened, the Son went to the forefront, but the Father and the Holy Spirit, they were there as well. And the process of us growing in our relationship with God, growing closer in the Christian faith, is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and tries to encourage us, help us grow closer in our faith. But when that happens, the Father and the Son are there as well. Now again, in contrast to every other world religion that there is, there is only a single personage in every other world religion. And what they will say is that the core is is to obtain power or knowledge or material goods. But only in biblical Christianity is the focus one thing and one thing only... And it's love. And there is constantly this loving relationship that is happening between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They're always connecting in loving relationship with one another. So when God created you and me as human beings, He created us in His image. And God has placed an ache in every single person's heart that He ever created with a desire for this loving relationship. And what's different from every other world religion is you don't have to do a whole bunch of 14 different things to get to this relationship. You just have to do one thing. Give your life to Jesus. And you say, as I do that, I receive everything... I get all of this the love, the relationship, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and they're constantly in community with one another. Now, I realize this is a heady subject to kind of get our hands on. In fact, they've written thousands of books that would explain it better than me. But this is the simplest way to put it God is a community of beings. And God is constantly asking every single one of us to come in and be a part of the relationship. It's His greatest desire in life. is God's desire for you to have a relationship with Him. Now the second big idea is this. Human beings were made for what? What were human beings made for? What were you made for? Were you made for pleasure? Were you made for power? Were you made for making more money? Were you made for more accolades? What were you made for? Do you know when you're at your absolute best? You're at your absolute best when you're loving God and loving other people. That's what you were made for. You were made for self-giving love to God and to others. There's no other time in your life that you're at your best than when you are loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and you're loving your family and your friends and the people around you. In fact, the Bible says this. God is love. Let's all say that together. It'll be up on the board. Here it comes. It's real hard. Three words. Okay? God is love. The very essence, the very character, the very nature of God is love. And He wants this relationship with you for you to live in community with Him and with other people. And whenever you think that the center set of your life should be something else, when you try to align it with something else, whether it's money, sex, power, whatever... There will always be this ache in your life in which you'll be saying, you know what, this is not what I was made for. Because you weren't. You were made for this self-giving love to God and to other people. Now the place where we find this in the Bible, where it was lived out the best, is in a book called Acts, which is in the second half of the Bible or the New Testament. And let me just tell you what has happened before... We read this story? Jesus has come to earth, He's taught, and people got ticked off at Him, and so they sent Him to a cross to die a criminal's death. And three days later, after His death, He rose again, over 500 people saw Him in 50 days. But 50 days after that, He went back to be with His Father so that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were connected. But in His place, He sent God's Spirit. He said, I don't want you to be alone. I don't want you to ever feel by yourself. So I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. And the Holy Spirit came down, and it was present in the church. And the church got together, and this is what they did. The Scripture says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, the leaders' teachings, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and, everything, and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I love that, se- that last phrase and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You want me to translate that for you? You know what it means? It means that they took their mask off. They were real and raw with each other. And they did this with this self-giving love. You know, in uh, 2002... I read this passage of Scripture one day when I was praying. And I just thought, man, I want to give my life for that. Whatever it takes, I want to give my life that we could maybe build that kind of church. You know what's amazing? When you say something like that, all of a sudden you're tempted by other things. I got different offers to go to larger churches, hundreds. One church, a thousand people to go. And I thought, no, you know what? That's fine for them, but I want to I build something small and see if we could become this Acts 2 type of church. And so, I took a risk. Actually, God took a risk on Chris Bunch. And when I was 31 years old, which was just last year, I, along with a handful of other people, came together and we started meeting in my home to start this thing, a dream that we had called The Jar. And I thought it would be so great to help build a community that was biblical community filled with love that we saw in this story of the Acts 2 church. I'll tell you what, folks, this, this sense of love and community, that's what people in bars are looking for. That's what people who are alone by themselves are looking for. That's what people who try to seek money or pleasure or other things are looking for. There's an ache in their heart, and they can't fulfill it in any other way. But that ache doesn't leave. And so we started the jar with six adults, two children, and one cat. We counted everything back then. And pretty soon, some other people heard about it. We had dozens of people that were kind of meeting. And then, on our very first Sunday that we went public, when they used to have this nasty yellow kind of divider right here, and it smelled and people would never want to sit by it, we met on that side of the gym. But this is what happened, folks. As the church grew, we lost some intimacy. And so what we tried to do, we tried to create different small groups to try to help people. And some of them went really well, and some of them bombed big time. I had one small group. I'm the pastor of the church. And you know what? Today, only one of those people is still connected to the job. They've all not gone to another church. They just got disconnected. So over the past few months, the leadership team and I have been talking about how do we increase the intimacy of our church? How can we do that? And it's by engaging people in small groups. And until I die, I'm going to encourage you that it's just as important that you're in a small group as you come in on Sunday morning. Because everyone is longing for a deep sense of community. Now, over the past uh, two years, my wife Jennifer and I have hosted a small group, and those people haven't left. So you know what was good about that? We thought, it must not be us at least, you know? And so this week, I asked them and some other people uh, in small groups at the jar this question. And I kind of did it tongue-in-cheek. I was like, okay, what can you get from your small group that you can't get from me on Sunday morning. I mean, you should be able to get everything from me. Not, right? And so this was some of their responses. One group said, more comfortable seating. They said, we like to sit on couches we come here and it's these hard seats. Some of them aren't even padded. But in our small group, man, we just kind of cuddle down in. You know, If you're not a cuddler, that doesn't mean you have to be a part of the cuddling group. They're weird. They're really weird. I'll tell you which group that is, okay? Also, they said, well, we can't heckle Chris like we can our small group leader. We wouldn't heckle Chris publicly on a Sunday morning. I'm like, yeah, you don't do it then, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And several people said this, the snacks, the snacks, the snacks, you know. But beyond all the fun and fellowship, which is a great part of what small group life is about, there were five things that I collected from this group of people that they said were just the essentials of what it means to be a part of a small group that you can't get right now. The first one was this. We share our shortcomings. We share our shortcomings. People said we love each other and we care for each other so much that we're willing to share our shortcomings and our mess-ups. And as they were telling me about this, this passage of Scripture came to mind that says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Somehow, when we confess our sins to one another, our mistakes, our failures, healing comes to our lives. But I was thinking about it. You know, the confessing of sins is not a very good public sport, is it? I mean, it wouldn't work out very well on Sunday mornings... You know, for us to just, like, take one of these microphones and walk around and go, You! Stand up! Why'd you screw up this week, you know? And then once he told his, then we'd go to somebody else. And you know, it might get real weird, maybe even competitive, like, Ah! Man, they're not nearly as bad. Let me tell you what I did, you know? And confessing of sins just would not work out very well in a big, large setting like this. Those things need to take place in small settings where you get intimate, where you connect. Here's the second thing that people said that they get from their small group that they don't get from Sunday morning. Application of the Bible. Application Of the Bible. I mean, people said, Yeah, Bunch, you have these great, grandiose kind of ideas, you know, on Sunday morning. They're great and I like them. But you don't have time to talk to anybody. You don't have time to ask questions or stand up and say, Hey, Chris, could you clear that up? What were you meaning? It would be weird. But in a small group, you can take whatever is on Sunday morning and you can go deeper and you can apply it into your life. One person said, on Sunday mornings, I'm a passive participant. But in our small groups, I become active. I can ask questions. I can get different opinions. I can have different thoughts going on. And I put it into practice. And I thought, you know what? You're right. You are. A third thing that people said that they get from their small group that they can't get from Sunday morning is this. Accountability. Accountability. Their small groups hold them accountable. Okay, let's take a time out for a second. A couple of weeks ago, I taught on the Bible. And I taught about the importance of reading the Bible each day and journaling. And that as you did that, you would grow deeper in your faith. And I have a feeling that almost every single person who is here on that first Sunday of the year were like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go and read my Bible each day. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you did it? Did you read the Bible each day? Did you journal and hear from God each of the last 17 days? Well, of course you didn't. You didn't do it. And you knew that no one was going to come and check up on you. I mean, one person even said, there are 200 adults here. How can we ever hold each other accountable there? You can't do it that way. I mean, surely you didn't expect me to start going to every single door and knocking on the door. Uh, Bible police. You read the Bible? Did you? let me see your journal. We need evidence. No, I'm not going to do that. We don't have time for that. Jesus said these words. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. Folks, if anything that you've seen on your television screens this week with the horrible catastrophe in Haiti, you've been given much. Those people had nothing to begin with and now they have even less. You've been given much. And the only thing that will fulfill... God's purpose in your life is when you seek accountability from other people around you. I mean, every single time in my life in which I've had a growth spurt spiritually, it's because I've had other people around me holding me accountable, encouraging me, telling me, "All right, you can do this. I mean, just stopping and asking people, please hold me accountable to this. Call me each week and ask me if I've done this. Because it's in my heart. I want to grow, but I can't do it by myself. I have a guy right now that I meet with every other week, and he holds me accountable to a whole list of things. One of the things is my New Year's resolution, and that is being on time all the time. And I have this log that I keep, and I write down every time that I'm on time and every time I'm late. And it's kind of embarrassing, to be quite honest. I feel like a little kid you know, coming with my little homework here. But you know what? It is showing dividends. Because I want to grow. I don't want to be the type of parent when my kids are old enough where I have to pick them up from school that I'm always late. And they're anxious. I don't want to be the type of pastor who's always rescheduling appointments because I didn't use my time wisely. I want to use God's time wisely, but I can't do it on my own. I've got to have some help. Again, don't hold up your hands. I just want to ask you to get real with yourself, not with me. But have you ever had real accountability ever in your life? Because if you want to grow to your maximum capacity, it is a must. Here's another thing that people said. Guidance for decision making. Guidance for decision making. The Bible says this, plans fail without good advice, but they succeed with the advice of many others. Folks, if you don't have a little group of people who pray for you and encourage you and love you, when you hit a critical crossroads in your life and you try to do it all alone, you're going to fail terribly. Guaranteed. It's not a healthy thing. You know, before Jennifer and I had children, I had asked several different people to kind of tell me uh, what they thought about me having children. These were people that loved me, who thought best about me. And I just asked them, you know, Jen and I are thinking about having kids. What do you think? I didn't ask them how to have kids, okay? I've learned that, believe me. But I just asked them, hey, hey, you know, do you think we'd be good? And they shared pros and cons. And then this was the hard thing. They said, these are the things you're going to have to give up if you're going to be a good parent. And we've had to. But I valued their guidance and wisdom so much because they made us better parents. Now today, I have a feeling that some of you are in the midst of major life decisions. Maybe financially, maybe spiritually, maybe vocationally. But you're in the midst of it. And I'm just telling you, your decision-making will become so much better if you seek the guidance of people around you, in a group of people who love you. Okay, one last thing. People said, every single person almost, said that they get from their small group that they don't get from coming to church on Sunday. And it's this, deeper connections. Deeper connections. The Bible put it this way. Have genuine mutual love. Love for one another deeply from the heart. One person in our group said this. They said, I get a sense of family. A support system that I could call upon 24-7. I know people care and love for me no matter what. Another person just said this. I don't get the love. I don't get the love on Sunday morning like I do with my small group. And I thought, you know what? I get that. Unless you come here with your family, no one's probably going to touch you or say some glowing word of affirmation or give some affection to you. I mean, each Sunday, you know, we ask people to shake each other's hand and say welcome and hi and how are you. And many times I I watch you guys. You just stand here like this. Hey, what's up? That's sometimes the greatest amount of love we get in this place. You know, hey, what's up? You know? What's that about? You know, there have been several times in which people have come up to me and they've said this Chris, my grandfather died. My kids were in an accident. I. Lost my job. And not one single person from the church ever called me. And they blame me and they blame the church. And I think to myself, I think, what? Oh, you were expecting the love. That's why you wanted, you wanted the love. Well, you, we can't do that with 200 people. We can't. And folks, I'm just telling you, if you're in any church that's larger than 25 people, you will never get the love by itself. So you have to connect in small, little, loving communities that are committed to each other. You promise to say, I got your back, you got mine. You show up for each other. You're there for each other. You give meals to each other. When you're in the hospital, you visit each other. When you're going through tough times, people give you money because they're caring for you. And you got each other's back. And I'll tell you, folks, what I've learned in the last year with our group, it gets real personal and it gets real, real loving. You get that in a group. You can't get that from a church. So those are just five things that were centrally important to these people. And folks, today, you've got to make some choices. Because you were made by a God of a community of being. But you were made for self-giving love. And when you experience Christian community at its best, when you experience the love... I'm telling you, folks, there is nothing better than it. So where are we headed as a church with this? Well, two weeks from today, we are going to start our Life's Healing Choices campaign, and we want to encourage everyone to give small groups a chance. Fill out a card. You can go back and uh, pick up a book. It's right over here to my left. You can pick up a book today. There's Vanna back there for you guys. Vanna, could you wave? See? Do any of you even know Vanna? Now I feel old. Will of Fortune, the lady that goes, cling! Abby's our Vanna, okay? And I just want to encourage you guys as your pastor, somebody who loves you, the greatest thing you can do for your life to grow deeper is to get in a small group. So pick up a book. Get it today. Don't leave here without checking out a date, a time, and a book to pick up. Here's the last thing before we close. There's one other group that is essential to your life. It's essential. And I would be very careless if I didn't mention it. And this is essential for every single person in this gym. And we've got to be crystal clear on this. A few weeks ago, my parents uh, came to our house and we had dinner together. And while we were having dinner, um, my daughter Jordan, who's two and a half, and my other daughter Shiloh, sat around the table with us. And I just want you to know, my parents are shameless and they're weird when it comes to their grandkids. I mean, they just think they don't do anything wrong. They've even said this to me before. You know, your kids poop. It doesn't stink. I'm thinking, have you smelled their diapers? Let me show you, you know. Well, on this particular day, we're sitting down at this meal, and we're getting ready to eat. And uh, Jordan, our daughter, before we eat, we pray. And all of a sudden, Jordan gets a piece of food from her plate and she lifts it up. And my dad was sitting there and he had his hands kind of folded like this. And uh, Jordan looked at him and said, Papa, get your food, hold it up. Thank God. And my parents who are both in their 70s, pick out some food, and they lift it up like this, and around the bunch table, we're all praying to God. And as I sat there and I watched all of this, this is what hit me. My ultimate small group is my family. If I don't get that right, folks, nothing else matters. And I've got to show up with energy and consistency every single day with spiritual encouragement to be able to lift my family up. And once I do that, then I can give myself freely in self-giving love for other people. But the first place is to my family. And when it's well attended to, I can do that. But it's got to start there. And it starts there for me, and it's got to start there for you too. You got it? That's when you're supposed to say, got it, if you got it, okay? You You can lie this morning if you want, okay? Got it? Got it. Let's stand and sing.
3: We're gonna end the same way we started. We're gonna celebrate Jesus by singing that first song, "Marvelous Light." And so, just as we as we sing this last song, just celebrate Jesus. Into marvelous light, I'm running out of darkness and out of shame. By the cross, you are the truth, you are the light, you are the way. I once was fatherless, a stranger with no. Your kindness awakened me, awakened me. From my sleep, I once was fatherless, a stranger with no hope. Your kindness awakened me, awakened me from my sleep. Sin has lost its power, death has lost its sting. From the grave you've risen victoriously into marvelous side I'm running out of darkness and out of shame. By the cross you are the truth, you are the light, you are the way. My dead heart. My dead eye now is speed My deepest stains now clean Your breath fills up my lungs Now I'm free, now I'm free My dead eye now is beating My deepest stains now clean Your breath fills up my lungs Now I'm free now i'm free sin has lost its power Death has lost its sting from the grave you've risen victoriously into marvelous light i'm running out of darkness and out of shame By the cross you are the truth, you are the light, you are the way. Into my other side I'm running, out of darkness and out of shame. By the cross you are the truth, you are the light, you are the way. Lift my hands and spin around. See the light that I found. On the marvelous side, marvelous side. Lift my hands and spin around. See the light that I found. On the marvelous side, marvelous side. still knew, in my hands it's been around, see the light that I found, you the marvelous sight, marvelous sight, into marvelous side I'm running, out of darkness and out of shame, by the cross you. You are the truth, you are the light, you are the way. Into my mother's side I'm running out of darkness and out of shame. By the cross, you are the truth, you are the light, you are the way.
0: Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. Thanks. If you want prayer for anything, come on up.